welcome to Hope City Church, Melbourne, Australia. Stay tuned for another inspiring message. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. We, we all know this scripture. We say it all the time. But I want to unpack this for you quickly. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10 says, it, first it says, do not grieve. We often miss that bit. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Did you know that, uh, that the Israelites, they'd been in exile for about a generation, so at least 40 years, and they'd come back. Nehemiah had rebuilt the wall in Jerusalem, and you've got Ezra, he's the priest, and, uh, and, and Nehemiah and Ezra, they're standing in front of the whole of Israel, hundreds of thousands of people. And they all come in, they've rebuilt their town. And, uh, and Nehemiah, well, Ezra is reading out from the book of the law. So thank God we're not under the law anymore. Amen. And he's reading from the book of the law of, of everything, that how they should be living. Think about this. They've been in exile for over a generation. So they probably haven't heard what, how God wants them to live for over a generation. Right? And so all of a sudden, in a whole day, they're standing there and they're getting whacked with how God wants them to live. God's saying, this is the law, this is the standard. And they're grieving, they're mourning, you would be too. They've been living outside of God's will, God's plan for a generation and not even knowing it. And the thing I love about this is God says, don't grieve, don't mourn. The joy, my joy, the joy of the Lord, it's not your joy, it's not a made up joy, it's God's joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Grieving or mourning is not your strength. The joy of the Lord, that's amazing, isn't it? That's incredible to think that these whole hundreds of thousands of people, they were living, uh, they, they were living not honoring God for over a generation and He's still happy with them. Think about that. That is amazing, isn't it? God's saying, don't grieve. They're all sad. They're thinking, oh God, you know, you're angry with us. You're not happy with us. You know, we've been living like this for years and years and years. And he's saying, hang on, my joy is your strength. I'm happy. I'm a happy God. Come on, that's a word for someone today. You're thinking, I'm not there yet. I'm not living that perfect life. Oh, I should have stepped out this week. I should have prayed for someone. Oh, you know, God's not happy with me. Oh, I don't, I'm not faithful to Jesus. So he must not be happy with me. No, 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 no. God's happy. He's a happy God. He's not angry. He's not sad. He's not depressed. He's not up in heaven saying, oh, only if Australia would live differently, then, then I would come down and be with them. All this rubbish. No, they're lies from the enemy. It's all a lie. God's incredibly happy. He's incredibly joyful. Come on. That should get someone very excited today. Religion says you've got to be perfect and then you can be happy and God will be happy. But God says, hang on, no, you be happy and that'll help you live a holy life. Amen. Just a thought, just a thought. So the joy of the Lord is your strength. What is strength? Uh, strength, both in, both in the Hebrew and the Greek, it means authority, power, and might. So think about that. The joy of the Lord is your authority, power, and might. It's your ability to reign in life. Psalm chapter 84, verse 5, to around about 7, says, Blessed are those whose strength is in God, whose, whose strength is in the Lord. They shall go through the valley of Bacar. And, and in the Hebrew, that valley of Bacar is the valley of weeping and mourning. So they shall go through the valley of weeping and mourning. And those whose strength is in the Lord, they shall turn it 
from a place of weeping and mourning into a valley of springs. They shall go from strength to strength till they appear before God in Zion. And Zion's always a picture of God's presence. So they go from strength to strength. They experience more and more and more and more and more of God's presence. It's incredible, isn't it? So when you're strong, when your inner world is strong, you go from strength to strength. When your inner world is strong, when you're operating in authority and power from Jesus, that means every valley in your life, every area of weeping and mourning, whether you feel like you're in the wilderness right now, whether you feel like you're going through a hard time, every valley, when you're strong, you can turn that place into a place of springs. Come on now. You turn it into a place of springs and you'll go from strength to strength. You'll experience more and more and more of God's presence. So that tells me that people who are strong on their inner world, they, they prosper in every area of life. You can prosper whether you're in the valley or on the mountaintop. You can prosper wherever you are. It may not look good in your outward circumstances, but you can always prosper on your inner world. That's the truth. Some of you are looking at me and you're like, well, really? I'm going through this pain at the moment. I'm going through, well, 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 this word, the word of God is saying that any valley of weeping and mourning can be turned into a place of springs. Come on now. Someone should take that today. So that's what strength is. And, uh, and, you know, think about it. If the joy of the Lord is our strength, then your level of strength is determined by your level of joy. Your level of strength is determined by your ability to live in God's joy. It's not a conjured up joy. It's not a made up joy. No, no, it's the joy of God for you and you're experiencing that. And when you experience God's joy, when you access that, you're strong. Isaiah chapter 12 verse 3 says, With weeping, with mourning, they shall draw water from the wells of salvation. With sadness, depression, with fear, with anxiety, with praying for hours and hours every single day, they'll draw water from the wells of salvation. With getting on your knees before God, no, no, it says with joy. With joy, you shall draw water from the wells of salvation. There is a well within you, and he's called Jesus Christ. When you receive Jesus as your saviour, his spirit's living within you, and that's the well of salvation. He's your strength. And it's with joy, with joy, with joy that you draw from that well. It's very quiet in here. So we're going to look at this today. I think we need this. We're going to look at how to unlock God's joy within you today, how to access that joy so that you live from His strength, how to access His joy. Some people are thinking, well, I'm not very joyful. I've just never been a happy person. But you know, if you're in Christ, if His Spirit lives in you, then there is joy within you. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 9 says that Jesus, He was anointed with the oil of joy and He still is. So there's an anointing. Jesus is anointed with the oil of joy. And if he's living in you, then do the math. He's anointed with the oil of joy. He's living within you. So that means within you, there is an anointing for joy. There is an ability for you to have incredible joy. You just got to learn to stir it up. Like Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, he says to Timothy, you got to stir up the gifts of the Spirit. Well, I'm telling you today, You've got to stir up your joy. Come on. You've got to stir up the joy within you because it's your strength today. It's in you. You've got to learn to stir it up and unlock it. So are we okay with that? Are we ready to do that today? Stir up some joy. I'm incredibly joyful. I was at my nephew's, uh, he's he's turned two. And so I was at his 
party at a, at a play cafe, and I tell you what, best party I've ever been to. It was amazing. You know, going in the jungle gym, all that. So I'm full of joy today. I'm full of beans. I'm ready to rumble. So hopefully you are too. I had 12 kids who I was playing tag with, so I'm not tired. I'm ready to go. So we're going to look at three people today. These are great men in Scripture, Jonah, David, and Paul. All these men learnt to find God's joy, learnt to access joy and strength in times of great distress and trouble. And so I believe it's going to speak to every single person in this room. You've come here today, so this is a word in season for every single person. You're going to get some keys and wisdom on how to unlock God's joy in your life. We ready? Good. So you can turn with me to Jonah. Jonah chapter 2. We'll be looking at verse 5. Jonah is in between Obadiah and Micah, if that helps. It's one page in your Bible, so it might be hard to find. Jonah chapter 2 should come up on the screen. Welcome to all those listening on live stream and on YouTube during the week. It's great to have you listening in. We have a great following online, so we are blessed to have you listening in as well. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountain I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord. My prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. So the temple is always a picture of God's presence. So Jonah's prayer rose to God's presence. Those, verse 8, those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I will sacrifice to you. That's amazing, isn't it? Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. That tells me if you want to experience more of God's love for you today, if you're, if you're in a place where you're like, God, I just need more of your love, I want to experience more of that, you need to sacrifice something. You need to give something up. You know, those who cling to worthless idols. So if you're saying, God, I want more of your love, and then you're spending hours and hours not like, you know, on the TV, on all this different stuff, well, you need to give that, give some stuff up to experience more of his love. Just a thought. Verse 9, But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. What I vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Many of us know this great Bible story. It's an incredible story, powerful scripture when you think about it, what happened to Jonah. He's, uh, he's running from God. Could be people today listening online, you could be running from God. Jonah is running from God. He doesn't want anything to do with God. God's called him to preach or to, to give a prophecy to the place of Nineveh. And, uh, and Jonah's like, no, I don't want to do it. And so he's running from God. He gets on a boat in the ocean uh, with a lot of sailors. And, uh, and what happens is a big storm comes along, right? This huge storm. And they're all thinking, well, someone's angry with us. You know, they've all got their different gods that they're trying to pray to. And Jonah's like, I'm the problem. Long story short, they throw him overboard. And, uh, and so think about that. Jonah is in the midst of the sea and he's just bobbing up and down in this storm, right? He says, the deep surrounded me. I was at the, the mountains barred me in. And God sends along this big fish to swallow Jonah up. It's amazing, a big shark, a goldfish. You know, use your imagination. We don't know what it is. The Bible just says a fish. So it could have been a great white. They might have been big back then, bigger. A fish swallows him up. 
And so Jonah is praying this prayer to God and he's in the belly of a fish. Imagine that. You're in the belly of a fish. You're thinking, God, I'm dead. I'm gone. He's on his deathbed, right? In, in his soul. See, uh, Jesus referred to Jonah as it was a picture of Sheol, a picture of hell. So Jonah feels like he's in hell. I don't know if you ever felt like that, but he feels like he's in hell. He feels like he's stuck in prison. And what does he do? He thinks, well, this isn't working for me, God. I'm praying to you. I'm complaining. And, and, and it's not working. I'm still stuck. And so it says he sacrifices to God with a voice of thanksgiving. Sacrifices to God with a voice of thanksgiving. That's incredible, isn't it? And that tells me the first point. If you want to access, unlock God's joy in your life, you need to build a lifestyle of thanksgiving. A lifestyle of thanksgiving in your life. Giving thanks to God, it's pretty simple, isn't it? Giving thanks is literally thanking God for what He's done in your life, thanking God for all His provision for you. You've always got something to give thanks about. You always do. There's nothing that you can't give thanks about. Even Jonah, he's in the belly of a fish and he can still give thanks to God. He's on his deathbed. So that tells me there is always something to give thanks to God about. Whether it's, thank you, Lord, I'm your child. Thank you, God, that I've said yes to you, Jesus, and now I'm, I'm, I'm in Christ. I'm in the kingdom of God. Thank you, God, that I'm going to heaven. Thank you, God, that I've got all the promises of the kingdom. Thank you, Lord, that I have the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit living within me. Nothing is impossible for you because you've got God on your side. Thank you, Lord. Come on. Jonah, he's sacrificing with the voice of thanksgiving. It's interesting that it says sacrifice, isn't it? Sacrifice. I wonder what he's sacrificing. It's scripture says that there was seaweed wrapped around his head. So that tells me that Jonah had this mindset. There was a mindset that Jonah was operating in which wasn't working for him. A negative mindset. A mindset that's focusing on everything that's wrong in his life. A mindset, a mindset that's saying, oh, I'm a victim. Why is this happening to me? Oh, I can't do anything about this situation. I'm sad. I'm depressed. Negative, negative, negative. I can guarantee you that Jonah was sacrificing that mindset. He had to sacrifice it. He had to let it go. Then he could give a voice of thanksgiving to God. Come on now. It could be a word for some people in here. You've got to sacrifice a negative mindset. You've got to sacrifice a mindset that, 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 that focuses on everything in the natural. See, giving thanks is incredibly good because it gets your focus on, off all your problems and gets your focus onto God. Amen? Amen? It gets your focus off everything that's wrong with your life and gets your focus on the solution. It gets your focus on the answer. Jonah's giving thanks to God and then what happens is the, the fish couldn't handle it. Jonah's situation couldn't handle him giving thanks to God. He was in a picture of hell. It couldn't handle him, and so it spat him out on the dry land. That tells me, whatever, wherever you're at at the moment, you can give thanks to God, you will access His joy, you'll be strengthened, and your situation has to spit you out. Your situation can't handle you, because you've got so much joy, amen? amen. Jonah's in the middle of the sea. He's in a, he's in a fish. Think of, it wouldn't smell very nice, would it? Probably his iPhone's ruined, it's broken, probably lost his suitcase, so all his stuff's, you know, all his stuff's gone. In the middle of fish, yet he still gives thanks to God. He accesses joy. Come on now, Paul says in Colossians chapter 6, chapter 2, verse 6, he says, uh, 
just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue your life in Him, strengthened, continue to be rooted and built up in Him, and overflowing with thanksgiving. So Paul adds that on, overflowing with thanksgiving. What does that look like? To overflow with thanksgiving to God. Paul is saying that if you want to be strengthened in Christ Jesus, if you want to be built up in Him, if you want your inner world to become incredibly strong, if you want the joy of the Lord, you've got to overflow with thanksgiving today. Overflow with it. Overflow, overflow, overflow. Thank you, God. I'm in this situation. See, many people get it mixed up. They, they thank God for their situation, thinking God sent it along. It's ridiculous. No, no. The, the devil sent along your situation. You're thanking God that in that situation, you have provision to overcome. Amen? You're, you're thanking God for the solution. You're not thanking God for the problem. You're thanking Him that God, even in this health problem, you have promised me that I'll have health. That God, even though I'm going through this financial problem, you promised me that I'll have abundant life in Christ Jesus. Come on now. Woo. I was, um, uh, it was about a month ago, and I just, uh, it was a Sunday. Beck and I, we decided to go up to the farm. It was a cold day. I'd raced the day before, and then I, was, I think I'd preached that morning. And so I was, I was a bit tired, and I got up there, and I'm riding on our little CRF, uh, one one fifty or whatever it was, and uh, and I'm just cruising along, thinking this is a this is a great time at the farm. You know, it's a beautiful place to go on a on a motorbike ride, and I hit this this big wombat hole. Right, my whole front wheel went bang. I was I was just looking around like that. All of a sudden, bang, and I went over the handlebars, grazed all my face, had a blood nose, had all cuts and bruises down here. I damaged the bike, so it cost about a hundred hundred something dollars to fix the bike and. And, you know, and then I go to, so I get back to the place and I said, Beck, don't freak out. I had blood all over my face and she was okay. And, uh, and then I go to fix the bike, right? And I get my phone out and my whole phone's smashed. I'm like, oh, brilliant. Oh, you know, great. And so I'd lost all my contacts. I'd lost all the work I'd done on my phone, all my photos. You know. If there's ever a time that, you, that you're going to be upset, it, it'd be then. And so I'm thinking, well, my night's ruined. And so I'm thinking, and, and I was, and this is where it gets spiritual, so calm down. Um, I'm, uh, I was just, I was sitting there contemplating life. And I'm thinking, God, I'm tired. And then all this stuff just happens. Why, why, why? You ever been in a place like that? You're like, this is just inconvenient. You know, it's just inconvenient. And, uh, and it comes along and God says, well, are you really, are you going to let the devil steal your joy? How much is your joy worth? Are you going to let him steal that joy from you? He says, give thanks. Give thanks. See, I'm stuck in this mindset of everything that's wrong. And when, when you start to give thanks, you get a little bit of perspective on life. I began to realize, you know what? Maybe in the big scheme of things, it's like a, it's not even a speck. It doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter. And I'd given up my joy. I'd given up my strength just because something little like that comes along. And how often do we do that? How often does stuff like that happen and we, we give up our strength because we get frustrated with things? And see, the whole point of thanksgiving in your life is that you will focus on what God has done for you rather than everything wrong that can happen. Come on now. It gets you out of a negative mindset. It shifts the atmosphere. All of a sudden, I start thinking, oh, hang on, I'm a child of God. Hang on. 
I've got the whole kingdom of God at my, at, at, is available to me. I've got Jesus on my side. And then I'm thinking, wow, was I really that upset just over that little thing? Come on, Thanksgiving. It's so important. We give thanks to God. And, uh, and I know some of you want to know how to do that. So I'll show you quickly. Jonah, he says in verse 9, he says, I'll sacrifice you. So he sacrifices a negative mindset. With a voice of thanksgiving, I will say salvation comes from the Lord. Do we get that? It's interesting he doesn't say with thanksgiving, I will say salvation comes from the Lord. He says with a voice of thanksgiving. That tells me that thanksgiving is a language. It's a language. I've got to begin to change my language. You have to change your language this week. Instead of starting to confess and speak out everything that's going wrong, start to confess and speak out all that God has done for you. Come on now. Oh, God, I got this. I have to spend this much on my car. Oh, you know, work is tough. You know, I don't like my work. Oh, my friends are being annoying. Oh, my wife, she's, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'll be careful on that one. Thanksgiving. Come on. He's, he's, got, he's saying here, is that you've got, it's a voice, it's a language. Instead of focusing my language on all of that, you focus it on something else. I give thanks to you, Lord. You're my Savior, my Redeemer. You're my King. You're my God. Your kingdom principles are here for me. You want to see me succeed. You're happy with me. You're joyful with me. Imagine Jonah in the whale. All of a sudden, there's a shift in the atmosphere. God, you really do like me. God, you've got a call on my life. God, you've got a purpose for my life. I'm not a mistake. I'm here. God, your, your, your promises are available to me. And the whale has, or the, the whale, the fish, it spits him out. Couldn't handle him. God commanded the fish and it spits him out. It's so important. The lifestyle of thanksgiving, I knew you'd enjoy that point. Let's move on. We'll look at David now. David gives us another great key to access God's joy as our strength. In 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 3, we'll start. When David and his men reached Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. Verse 6, David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. So they lost all their sons and daughters. But David, listen to this, David found strength in the Lord his God. Then David said to Abiathar the priest, the son of Ahimelech, Bring me the apod. Abiathar brought it to him, and David inquired of the Lord, Shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? Pursue them, he answered. You will certainly overtake them and succeed and rescue. In the rescue, and succeed in the rescue. So David... He comes, he's been on a military campaign. He's been fighting for God. He's been warring during the week. I've been doing all this for you, God. And he comes home. He comes to his hometown in Ziklag. It's interesting that the Hebrew word for Ziklag means to press down. It's a place of pressure. You ever felt like that? The pressure comes on your soul. David's coming to the town of being pressed down. And the enemy has stolen everything from them. The town is destroyed. Their, their wives, their children have been stolen. All their possessions have been taken from them. And the men are thinking of stoning David. They've been weeping and crying till they have no strength left. They're all bitter in spirit. Not a good place to be. Think the enemy has stolen everything. 
The wives and daughters are gone. It's a picture of the promise. Their legacy, their, the promises of God for their life has been taken out. And David's thinking, God, what do I do? And then it says, but David found strength in the Lord. It's amazing, isn't it? In the midst of that situation, in the midst of all that pain, David finds strength in the Lord. I wonder how he did that. He says, he went to the priest and he says, bring me the apod. And the apod, it was either a priestly garment or it was an instrument of praise. So either or either, it's a picture of praise. He says, bring that along. I'm going to praise God. I, I want the answer. I want the solution. And the minute he praises God, all of a sudden, he has the ability to ask the right question. And all of a sudden, he can hear from God and God answers him. What was David known as? He's known as the man of praise, isn't he? Two yeah. David is, 150 Psalms. He is the man of praise. That tells me something. That's our second point. If you want to access God's joy, if you want to unlock that anointing within you so that you have strength, you have to have a lifestyle of praise. A lifestyle of praise is what David had. Praise uh, in the Greek, it means to enthusiastically acknowledge God. Enthusiastic. So it's not a, oh God, I worship you, I praise you. No, no. It's enthusiastic. That requires some body movement. It requires a bit of your voice. In the Hebrew, I love this. In the Hebrew, it means to boast in God. That's amazing, isn't it? That's what your praise does, is it's boasting in God. Amen? Amen. David, he is uh, stuck in this terrible situation. Terrible situation. How does he find strength? He begins to boast in God. He begins to enthusiastically acknowledge God in the midst of his problem. And that place of pressure, it, it comes upon him. But as soon as he begins to strengthen himself by praise, all of a sudden he's positioned to get an answer, isn't he? All of a sudden he's positioned to hear from God. See, maybe he was thinking everyone else is crying and weeping and they're all mourning. They've got no strength left. They're all bitter in spirit. And maybe he's thinking, well, God, this isn't really working. This isn't working for me. I can either stay here or I can try and get an answer to this problem. I can get a solution. And what happens is he goes back and God restores literally everything for them, even more because they, 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 they recover more from the Amalekites than what they'd stolen from them. That's incredible, isn't it? Yeah. Praise, boasting in God, accesses joy as your strength, and the enemy has to restore what he's stolen to you. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? Psalm chapter 59, verse 16. You'll love this scripture. But I will sing of your strength in the morning. I will sing of your love. For you're my fortress, my refuge in times of trouble. This is David speaking. You are my strength. I sing praise to you. Do we get that? David says, all day long, I'm going to praise God. I'm building this lifestyle of praise. I'm building this lifestyle of acknowledging God every single day, of focusing on God, of boasting in my God instead of getting caught up in everything that's going, all the havoc in my life. I'm building this lifestyle of praising me. It's, interest, it's interesting that he says he praises and then he's positioned in the fortress of God, doesn't he? He says he praises first and then he realizes that God, you're my fortress. You're my refuge in times of trouble. What's a fortress? 
Fortress is a military term, isn't it? It's, it's the place where you're protected, where you're safe, where you're in a position of authority and power. That's what a fortress is. It's, it's a place where you can see far. That tells me that when you're in God's fortress, you can see everything that's going on in your life. You have incredible perspective. And so David says, praise, it puts you in the fortress of God. See, many people, we're going throughout their life and they're stuck in the fortress of their problems. They're stuck, they're overwhelmed by the world. They're overwhelmed by everything that's happening in their life. But see, when you begin to praise God, like David, you begin to praise, all of a sudden, it's like you pop out of that and bang, you're in God. You're in God, you're in His fortress. You're in a position where you can have joy. See, in a fortress, you can get whatever you want. You've got all the provision there. That tells me that you can get anything you want from God's nature when you're in His fortress. You can get your joy. You can get your peace. You can get love. You can get strength to go through any situation. You can get your healing. You can get your financial prosperity in the fortress. Come on now. Praise positions you in that fortress today. So important that we learn to praise God. A lifestyle of praising. Psalm chapter 22 verse 3 says that God inhabits the praises of His people. God inhabits the praises of His people. God is always here, is He not? If He lives within you, He's always here. The Holy Spirit, He hovers around the earth, doesn't He? So God is everywhere. So that tells me that when you praise, it's not like all of a sudden God pops up. It tells me when you praise, it's actually a greater level of glory, of God's glory comes to your life. You become more aware of God's presence in your life, of God's strength, of God's ability to move on your behalf. Let's connect the dots because in Psalm chapter 16, verse 11, it says, in His presence is fullness of joy. Come on now. In God's presence is fullness of joy. So if God inhabits the praises of His people and in His presence is fullness of joy, that means praise will always, every single time, without a doubt, access God's joy. Amen? Amen. Praise, 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 praise. If you want to be joyful, praise. If you want to be strengthened, praise. If you want to experience more of God, praise. In Psalm chapter 42, verse 11, this is an important one. This is on how do, we, how do we praise because there's days where I don't want to. There's days where you wouldn't believe it, where I'd come to church and I'm thinking I'd rather sit down, my legs are tired, uh, I'm a bit tired in my soul, I'm a bit weary, I can't be bothered today. I'm sure David felt like that a lot. I'm sure a lot of you have felt like that. So how do we praise? How did David praise in the midst of everything had been stolen from him? The enemy had come, taken everything. The men wanted to, his good, all his friends, all his mates, all his good mates, he just went to battle with him, wanted to stone him, wanted to kill him. How did David praise? Psalm chapter 42, verse 11. Why, my soul, are you so downcast? Why, do, why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior, my God. Why, my soul, are you so downcast? Why? It's a good question, isn't it? It's a good question to ask yourself. Why, my soul, are you so downcast? Why are you so disturbed? Disturbed. See, you're a spirit, you're a soul, and you're a body, aren't you? You're a spirit, it's where the Holy Spirit resides within you. You're a soul, so your mind, your will, your emotions, and you're a body. You can all see me, that's because I have a body, right? 
Spirit, soul, and body. Your spirit is full of Jesus. Amen? When you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, bang, it's full of Jesus. So that means your spirit never needs refreshing. There is a well of salvation within you, like I talked in Isaiah, where it's a well. You just draw from that. Your spirit, it never needs refreshing, but your soul does. Your soul is what's in contact with the world. That's why when Jesus, he washed the disciples' feet, but he said, I don't need to wash all of you, just your feet. And it was a picture of the soul, because your soul goes out in the world and it gets dirty. Your soul needs washing, it needs refreshing. It needs the life of God flowing through it. David speaks to his soul. See, he's in this problem and he's feeling, he's in pain, he's stuck in pain, he's stuck in fear, he's stuck in anxiety, he's stuck in worry. And he speaks to his soul and he says, hang on, why are you so downcast? Get in line with my spirit. My spirit is perfect. My spirit is full of life. It's full of energy. It's full of the love of God. It's full of the peace of God. It's full of God. Amen. So soul, I'm speaking to my soul right now. I'm telling you, get in line. Stop being stupid. You ever speak to yourself? Some of you need to take yourself less seriously. Soul, stop being ridiculous. Stop being stupid. I'm going through this circumstance. You know, there's a solution. There's an answer. And you need to get in line. You don't want to praise, but I'm speaking to you right now. I'm saying, get in line. Start praising God. Start, see, when you get your soul in line with the Spirit, that means all of a sudden there's a flow of heaven and you're accessing the heavenly realities. Amen? See, many people, it's like their spirit's here and then their soul's all the way out here. And so they can never access the provision of God. But see, it's when your soul gets in line with your spirit that all of a sudden you get the provision of God in your life. You get joy, you get peace. Maybe some of you would smile. Just a thought. David speaks to his soul. The enemy always wants to attack your soul. The enemy hates praise. He wants to get you out of praise. He doesn't attack your spirit. He attacks your soul. He'll lie to you. you, you you'll, you'll get home from work and you'll be like, I want to praise God today. And he'll say, oh, no, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. You, you don't do that. You, 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 maybe you weren't good enough this week. You, you can't praise God or, you know, go do something else. You know, the enemy will speak to you. The last thing he wants you to do is praise God. Enemy, he hates praise. So I say, let's ramp up the level of praise in your life. Come on. Come on. Praise will always access God's joy. Praise will always access God's joy. It will unlock his joy within you and you'll be strengthened like David. Amen? Amen. All right. Last point. We're looking at Paul now. This is a great scripture. Don't switch off. Philippians chapter 4. Verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And if you didn't hear me, Paul says, I'll say it again, rejoice. 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 Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And, And... that the guard your hearts and minds is literally, it puts a garrison around your heart. It protects your heart, that peace of God. Amen? Amen. Verse 12 now. Skip to there. I have learned the secret. So David has a secret. I mean, Paul has a secret. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through Christ who gives me strength. 
So David, if you didn't know, this may surprise some people, but he had been in prison for at least two years, suffering for Jesus. And in prison for two years, been persecuted. He'd been watching his friends get killed by the Romans. He'd been going through all this stuff, and now he was stuck in prison. Well, God, I've been doing all this stuff for you, God. I've been working hard, and now I'm stuck in prison. Come on, what's going on here? He's stuck in prison. See, Paul's not like that. It's amazing, isn't it? Incredible. This verse, it builds off itself, doesn't it? What does it start with? Rejoice always, always, always. I'll say it again, always. Rejoice, rejoice. And then it builds. If you're anxious and you're worried, pray and peace will come. But rejoice first. Rejoice first. Peace will come. God, he'll set up a garrison around your heart to protect your heart from the enemy. So you'll, be, you'll still be living in God's authority and power, even if you're stuck in prison. Even if you're stuck in prison. Continue to rejoice. Paul says, I have a secret. I have a secret. I've learned how to live from Christ within me. And I can guarantee you, Paul's secret was rejoicing. Paul's secret was rejoicing. This is the third point. If you want to access God's joy for your life and be strengthened, even in the prison, even when you feel like everything's wrong in your life, even when you feel like your soul is stuck in a prison, even when your natural circumstances aren't going the way you want them to, rejoice, rejoice. It accesses God's joy. See, I love this scripture because it tells me I can be joyful whenever I want to be. It's a choice, isn't it? It's a choice. I, I, can, I, can, be rejo- I can be joyful whenever I want to be joyful. I don't have to be sad. I don't have to be depressed. I can choose to be joyful. I can rejoice in the Lord. So it's not a rejoicing just uh, conjured up, oh, yes, just have to be happy. No, it's a rejoicing in the Lord. What does rejoice mean? It literally means to mirror God's joy. Mirror God's joy. So you're you're responding. It's a response to God's goodness. It's a response to God's joy. It's a response to God's grace. It's a response to His nature, to His promises for your life. That's what rejoicing is. So think of of a, a, a parent with a child, right? And think of a little child, you know, one or two-year-old. How do they get joy? How do, how do babies get joy? The way they smile, you, all the parents would know this, the way you make a little kid smile is you look stupid yourself. <laughs> I'm joking. You do a little bit now. You smile yourself. You laugh. You say, ha, ha, ha. And, and you begin to smile at the baby. You begin to express joy to the baby, don't they? And the baby, the reason they start having joy is they're just responding to you. They're just responding to your joy. They're looking at your face and they're responding. They're, they're like, if you weren't joyful, they wouldn't be joyful. And that's exactly what we do as children of God to access God's joy. Is that we look at God and we rejoice. God is incredibly happy. He's smiling at me. And so I'll rejoice even in the prison. How did Paul prosper in prison? How did Because he, he did. He prospered in prison. I wouldn't be teaching you from this scripture today if Paul was sad, depressed, and couldn't be bothered. If he, if he was thinking, well, just victim mentality, oh me, oh my. No, no, no. Because Paul rejoiced, we have half of the New Testament. He built up the whole New Testament church because even though he was in prison, he was rejoicing. That tells me even when you feel like 
you're stuck in the mud, you're in a valley, nothing's going right, that tells me you can still feed other people. You can still get revelation flowing through your life to build up those around you. You can still build God's kingdom even when you feel like everything's going haywire in your life. Come on. Paul's rejoicing in the prison. Maybe that's why, think about this, that the, in, in the Hebrew, in the Old Testament, there is, there is never a word for God's presence. So there's no word that you can translate God's presence. Whenever you see presence in the Old Testament, it actually means God's face. Think about that. So they, they never said God's presence, they said God's face. Their understanding was when you worship God, when you rejoice, when you praise, when you gave thanks, you were coming before his face. You were face to face with God. Maybe that's why Paul was so happy because he understood even in the prison that when he worshipped, when he praised, when he rejoiced, he understood that he was actually face to face with God and that he could see God's face and it gave him incredible joy. It gave him amazing joy. Come on now. Some of you need to use your imagination. That's why Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1, he says, uh, my, my prayer for every single believer is that the eyes of your heart, the eyes of your imagination will be enlightened. Yeah. So it's talking about your heart. That's your imagination. And the enemy wants to come and darken it. He wants to come and he wants to produce worry, anxiety, lust, fear, greed. But the Holy Spirit, he wants to inspire your, imag- inspire your imagination yeah. so that you'll begin to picture God. Yeah. So that you'll picture everything that God has for your life. You'll picture his promises, his joy for you. So that's what I do when I come and worship, when I spend time with God. I literally picture Him. I picture His faith. The Scripture says that, that, that God, that Jesus has eyes, His hair is white as wool and He's got eyes that are flaming of fire. So I actually picture that. And I picture Him being incredibly happy with me because that's how Paul did it. That's how you rejoice. doesn't matter where you are, you can always rejoice. Amen? Amen. Access is the joy. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 1. My heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord, my horn is lifted high. And a horn is always a picture of strength. So in the Lord, my strength is lifted high. My mouth speaks boldly against my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. Did you get that? Your joy, your, your rejoicing, your response to God's goodness is a weapon against the enemy. It is your greatest weapon. Come on. It's your greatest tool for spiritual warfare. It is rejoicing. It's rejoicing. It says, because I rejoice, my mouth speaks boldly against my enemies. So that tells me when I just rejoice in God, I don't even know it, but I'm actually rebuking the devil. You're actually rebuking the enemy in your life. Come on, some of you interceders, you're interceding away, you're praying, you know, you're getting tired, you're pouring your heart out. And Paul is saying, you know what, that's great, good on you. But... But, but, maybe try rejoicing. Maybe just rejoice a little bit because that's a weapon too. Rejoice. It's a weapon against the devil because you're accessing God's joy and you're being strengthened yourself. If you're getting tired and burnt out in your prayer life, maybe try rejoicing. Maybe try rejoicing. I remember I I spent a lot of my time aside to begin to rebuke the enemy. That's what I used to do. I still do it a little bit. But I would pray and I'd intercede. Probably, you know, someone else has got this health problem. Someone needs this breakthrough. I need this breakthrough. So I'd be interceding. I'd be warring. You know, get your sword out and start warring in the spirit. 
And I was just getting tired. I'm like, I can't do this for the rest of my life. This is just tiring. And God, and, and, and God said, you know what? Joy is your strength. Joy is your strength. I'm like, oh, that's a good point. So he's like, why don't you just rejoice? Why don't you rejoice in your life? In the midst of your pain, in, in the midst of a health problem, Paul's in prison, in the midst of your anxiety, in the midst of fear, rejoice! Rejoice! You need strength, so rejoice! Amen? Respond to God's goodness in your life. Respond to His promises. Imagine giving a child a gift and then the child just being like, not responding. The child, the child not even receiving the gift. See, that's what it's like when we don't rejoice. Some of you need to rejoice more. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that I'm saved. I'm rejoicing in you. I'm rejoicing in you. I'm seeing you. I'm happy because you're happy. You know what? Maybe I'm not happy about this situation, but I'm happy, God, because you are happy. You know, it says in Psalm chapter 2 that God laughs at the plans of his enemies. Ha, 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 ha. Imagine if you did that. Next time something wrong comes along in your life, laugh. Laugh at it. It's your greatest weapon. Rejoicing. God laughs at the plans of the enemy. We should too, because he knows they'll never prevail. Never prevail. Rejoice. How to rejoice, because I know some of you can struggle to rejoice. How to rejoice. So what did Paul do? Well, Paul, he had an incredible revelation of his oneness with Christ, his oneness with God. Paul had an incredible revelation of grace and of sonship, didn't he? He had an amazing revelation that God was pleased with him, that God was happy, that the same way that God sees Jesus is the same way that God sees Paul. So think about that. God's in heaven. He looks across at Jesus and he's incredibly happy with Jesus, isn't he? You can agree with me? Yes. God is incredibly pleased and loving and happy with Jesus. The same way God sees Jesus, he sees you. And so Paul understood that. Paul had a revelation of that. How can you not rejoice when you understand that? The creator of the heavens and the earth is incredibly pleased and happy with you. See, a lot of people's problem is, is that they believe the lies, they believe the rubbish, that God is angry, that God is depressed, that God is, you know, he's got all this wrath stored up and he's going to punish the world. They believe the lies that God's not, not happy with me or I haven't lived very, very well this week or God, God might want to punish me or I can't come into God's presence. They're believing all these lies. You can't have joy that way. You can never rejoice if you believe that. And so you actually have to uproot those lies and replace it with the truth. Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17 says, and this is talking about the new covenant, what we're in with Jesus, says that God delights in his people. Hello, God delights in you. God delights in his people. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you. So that means he will never cast you out of his presence. He never will. He delights in you. In his love, he no longer rebukes you. You can't, you, you can't get thrown away by God. He's got you in the palm of his hands and he holds on to you. That's what that means. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but he will rejoice. That's the good part. He will rejoice over you with singing. Think about that. Right now, I know it could be hard for people to picture, right now, over every single person in this room, God is rejoicing over you with singing. God's singing over you. He's singing. I don't know what song it is. 
I'm sure it's a good one though, because it's God. I'm sure he's got a great voice. But he's rejoicing over you, over you, with singing. That's what God is doing right now. Come on, some of you have got to picture God in a different way. Religion would say he's, he's sad, he's not happy, he's angry with you. No, 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 no. The word of God says, the truth says, he delights in you. He's rejoicing over you with singing. He's a happy God. No, you're not perfect yet. No, you may not be living a perfect life, but he's still happy with you. He loves you. You're on the process and he's happy with you. He loves you. That's, that's who God is. Come on, you've got to change your, your, your image. of You've got to change how you see God. Paul's in the prison and he knows that God delights in him. He knows that the enemy put him there, not God. And so he can delight in God. He can delight in his Savior. He can delight in who God is. He knows God's singing over him, that God loves him incredibly. And so he can rejoice today. Come on, some of you, you've got to rejoice more. You've got to rejoice more. God's happy. God's not sad. God's happy. He's incredibly happy. Imagine a parent looking at their child and imagine your child being depressed all the time. You wouldn't be a happy parent, would you? God's happy, but you'd be thinking, what's going on here? There's something wrong. See, there's something wrong when believers aren't rejoicing. There's something wrong. It means we're believing a lie. That's what it means. If you're not rejoicing today, then you need to ask God, God, what areas in my thinking am I believing that's wrong about you? What do I need to change that I'm thinking about you? I knew you'd like that point. So Paul, he rejoices in the prison. That tells me that you can rejoice anywhere. You can rejoice anywhere to access God's joys, your strength, if you want to. If you don't want to, that's fine. But if you want to be strengthened, if you want to overcome, if you want to live in the authority power of Jesus, if you want to turn that wilderness, that valley, if you want to turn that into a place of springs, then rejoice because you'll access God's joy every time. Even in the pit, you can still look at God, see His face, and you can rejoice. Amen? Amen. So I want to encourage every single person in this room, ramp it up. Come on. Come on, we can all be more joyful. We can all be more joyful. You've all got the, uh, the anointing within you, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 9. You, Jesus is anointed with joy. That means you're anointed with joy. You just got to stir it up. You stir it up in your life. Joy is your strength. Come on, it's God's joy. You've got to picture God's joy. You've got to see who He is, and you've got to rejoice. You say, thank you, Lord. You're my joy. You're my salvation. Whom shall I fear? So Jonah, he's in hell. He's in the belly of a fish in the middle of the sea. Yet he gives thanks to God and the situation has to spit him out. The fish spits him out because he accesses joy in the midst of his problem and he's strengthened. He sacrifices a mindset and what happens is there's a breakthrough. There's joy. He begins to get a little happier. He begins to even smile in a fish. Picture that. David, all his possessions have been taken. He's in a place of incredible pressure. The whole weight of the world is bearing down on him. Yet he strengthens himself in the Lord through praise. He praises God. He boasts in God in the midst of his problem. And he sets himself in God's fortress. He boasts in God. He enthusiastically acknowledges God. He tells his soul, soul, stop being stupid, boast in God. 
You have, a, you have the king of all the earth, the creator of the earth is on your side. Boast in him. And he accesses joy to strengthen him. He's strengthened in a terrible situation and he overcomes through joy. And then Paul is in prison, yet he rejoices. Paul's in prison, but he accesses God's joy through rejoicing. So this week, every single one of you need to be thinking, I'm going to increase my thanksgiving. I'm going to increase giving thanks to God this week. I'm going to increase my praise level and I'm going to increase my rejoicing. I'm going to increase my giving of thanks to God. Thank you, Lord. You're good. You're good. You're good. I'm going to increase my praise. Thank you. I love you, Jesus. You're amazing. I'm going to increase my rejoicing. I'm going to respond to God's goodness. Amen? Amen. So we thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You're good. Thank you, God. We set our eyes on you today. We say you are our hope. You're our salvation. You are everything we need. Thank you that in your presence is fullness of joy. And so I decree over every person today that there will be a fresh encounter with your presence today, Lord. Right now, right now, right now, there's people and you're going through circumstances in your life where they're not good. They're not joyful circumstances. And I decree over your life a greater awareness of God's presence. I decree over your life that you're in the fortress of God, that you're protected by Him, that you have access to the whole kingdom of heaven, that nothing is impossible because God's on your side. I decree that over you today. I speak that over you. I say, joy, joy, joy in the midst of the prison. Joy, joy, joy in Jesus' name. It's your strength, it's your strength, it's your strength. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We give thanks to you today. We give thanks to you, Father. Thank you for every promise that you give us. Thank you, God, that you're not a man that you should lie, nor the son of man that you should repent. There is no shadow within you. You are perfect. There is no lie within you. And you say that every single person here is anointed with joy, is full of joy, that every single person has abundant life. And so we say, stir it up, Holy Spirit. Stir it up, stir it up, stir it up right now. Stir it up. I decree, I speak into every single person, into their imagination, that they will imagine their lives differently. That they'll imagine their lives differently. There's some people and, and, you, and you're stuck in the mud, you're stuck in the valley of weeping and mourning and you're, you're imagining your life the wrong way. And God would say to you today that you have to imagine your life the way He sees it. You, you've got to imagine your life the way God planned it for you. He, he's created you. You're His child. And like Jonah, maybe you've been running Maybe you've been in pain. Maybe you feel like, God, where are you? What are you? What's going on? But he will say to you today, just imagine. Just start using your imagination. See him. See God today. See how happy he is. See how joyful he is. See how he's a loving father. He's not angry. God's not angry at anyone. But he loves every single person and he's full of joy for you. And so I decree that over those people today that need that. I speak that over you today, that God is incredibly joyful over you. 
And that like David, you find strength when you just begin to praise. You need to set your eyes back on Him. You need to set your eyes back on Jesus. You may feel like, well, God, I've been struggling this week. I'm going through this problem. I've never done it. I've never praised you before. I can't, you know, all this stuff's wrong with my life. How could you really be pleased with me? Well, I'm here to tell you today that He's pleased, He's happy, He's joyful, and He loves you so much. And so, Father, over every single person today, I decree your love and your joy in Jesus' name.